Hey guys, thanks for joining me today on Set Apart. I'm Casey, your host. A little background on me to start. I am first and foremost a woman seeking after God. I'm a wife, a mother, a friend of many, and a staunch advocate for informed consent. And I started this podcast with the hope of bringing some light to all of the darkness in this world, to bring the truth in the midst of all the lies, to inform you, the listener, so you can make your own educated decisions. I believe that only if you are truly informed can you truly consent. Whether this be in the medical world or in the political world, I believe that standing and knowledge and wisdom is how we will make a difference in this world. Today, we're gonna be looking at quite a controversial subject, the COVID vaccine. Should you get it? Now, let's get the legal part out of the way. The following information is absolutely not medical advice and only meant to inform you in a world where there is so much pressure being put on each of us each and every day. Informed consent will always be one of the main goals of this podcast. Another quick note, I will be calling the Pfizer and, Mo, um, Pfizer and Moderna medical treatment a vaccine during this podcast due to many calling it that and not wanting to cause confusion. However, I and many medical experts and doctors do not believe it qualifies as a vaccine, but instead a treatment. You'll see why further on into the show. Also, the following facts are very similar between Pfizer and Moderna, but Pfizer's information is a bit more readily available. You can view all of the sources for this information on the bmgnetwork.com. Okay, so let's get right into this. Now, in deciding to use any medical intervention, it's best to look at your risk versus benefit assessment. So first, let's look at your risk of dying from COVID based on your age. As an important note, these numbers are based on if you get COVID. So according to the CDC, for ages zero through 19, the fatality rate if you get COVID is 0.003%. So if you're a newborn up to age 19, your chance of surviving COVID is 99.997%. You're literally more likely to get struck by lightning. For ages 20 to 49, the fatality rate is 0.02%, which is a rate of survival of 99.98%. For ages 50 through 69, it's 0.05, oops, sorry, it's 0.5% for the fatality rate, which is a rate of survival at 99.5%. And of course, the worst and most at-risk group is 70 and up, with a fatality rate of 5.4% and a survival rate of 94.6%. Now, just a quick note on this high rate. I believe this rate would be much lower if it hadn't have been for the overuse of ventilators and the horrendous policy of some governors, like our ridiculous Governor Cuomo, to force nursing home patients to go back into nursing homes when they were positive with COVID. These fatality rates will even be lower now considering the treatments we have available to us, but more on that later. Uh, so let's go back over these numbers. The average fatality rate of all of the ages is 1.48%, which leaves us with a survival rate for all of the ages of 98.52%. An important note was made to me by a good friend of mine recently, and I think you should take it into consideration as well. How do you determine where you fall in that fatality rate other than your age? So let's use an example. Let's say you're 28. According to the CDC, if you contract COVID, your chance of dying is 0.02%. But you can't forget, this number was calculated by averages of deaths of all ages from 20 to 49, from people who had no comorbidities to people who had many. 
So you have to take that into consideration. If you have some or many comorbidities, it might be a slight or higher rate. These are all things you should factor into your personal risk assessment. Okay, so now you know your risk. How about the benefit? How effective is the vaccine? We've all heard 95%, right? That's the magic number we keep hearing. But have you ever wondered how that number was calculated? Well, let's go over that. The Pfizer trial had 43,538 people in it. Some received the vaccine and some received a placebo. The efficacy rate of 98% is calculated off of 170 people out of that 43,538 people in the trial. The trial followed the participants for seven days after the second shot up to two months later. During those two months, only 170 people tested positive for COVID. Out of that 170, only eight were from the vaccine group. That's it. That's where the 95% efficacy rating is coming from. Now let's ask, were all the participants tested for COVID? No. Were the rest of the participants who received the vaccine tested for antibodies? No. Did they follow the efficacy past those two months? Nope. So how many of these participants were even exposed to COVID during those two months? How many got it and were asymptomatic and were never tested? How many got COVID at three or four months? How many even had antibodies in the first place before the trial started? To be frank, this efficacy rate is a joke, a number they tout, but it means nothing. I'd like to give you some information listed right on the Pfizer insert under the limitations and remaining questions. This is where they state, and I quote, further study is required to understand the following. Number one, safety and efficacy beyond two months in groups not included in this trial. For example, children, pregnant women, and immunocompromised persons. Number two, whether the vaccine protects against asymptomatic infection and transmission to unvaccinated persons. And number three, how to deal with those who missed the second vaccine dosed. Okay, let's go over the first two. Is it surprising to you to know that they put the healthiest people in these trials, that they have criteria to get into the trial? You should be asking yourself if they have the same criteria when they give the vaccine, because no, they don't. They are not only recommending this vaccine for pregnant and immune compromised, they are encouraging it, and they are planning studies on it in children. Let me repeat, children who have a survival rate of 99.997% coming later this year. At this point, you should be asking, where is the science in all of this? We don't even know if it creates antibodies for immunity. That's not its primary function, according to Dr. Fauci. Its primary function is to prevent or suppress symptoms. So there you have it. This vaccine does not prevent you from getting COVID. Let me repeat, it does not stop you from getting COVID. Let's move on to another remaining question from the trial. Whether it protects against asymptomatic infection and transmission. That's right. The study did not find that this vaccine stopped COVID from spreading in those vaccinated. So if it does work and prevents you from symptoms, you would now unknowingly spread it to everyone you come in contact with. Now you might think that's just as it is now with COVID. It's not. Right now, according to Dr. Fauci and the WHO, asymptomatic spread is not only rare, but it is not the driver of epidemics. However, those who have had the vaccine and had their symptoms suppressed are going to have a higher viral load and therefore spread it more easily than someone just asymptomatic due to a low viral load. If you think your mask can help you with this, you're incorrect. But that's a podcast for another day. 
If you've never heard of a vaccine actually contributing to outbreaks, I suggest you look into the FDA's information on the pertussis vaccine. It's quite similar to what we just went over. But I'd like to talk about how all of this relates. You've heard over and over about herd immunity. First and foremost, I'd like you to take some time and look at what herd immunity really is scientifically. But let's be real clear here. You can't have herd immunity with a vaccine that does not stop infection, with a vaccine that you don't know if any immunity is gained, and certainly not with a vaccine that does not stop transmission. This is why earlier I said it does not qualify as a vaccine, but instead a treatment. There is just so much lacking in the safety aspects of this vaccine, especially when you compare the vaccine group to the placebo group and the adverse effects following vaccination. But here's the question that should really be in the back of your mind. What about long-term safety? The vaccine has only been around for a couple months. How would we know? I guess we could take the placebo group as a comparison to those who got the vaccine and follow them for the next two years, like Pfizer stated they will do. That sounds good, right? Well, that's not a possibility anymore. Those in the placebo group of the trial are already being offered the vaccine just six months later. So now what? How will we know? Your placebo group just disappeared. If you haven't guessed, we won't know. You also might be wondering, how are these adverse reactions being tracked? Most people don't know that there's a system for this. It's called VAERS. It's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. This is the only system for reporting any reaction to any vaccine. It is a passive reporting system, meaning anyone can file a report. Even still, a Health and Human Services study found that less than 1% of adverse events are actually reported to VAERS. Were you aware that VAERS was so overwhelmed with reports a couple weeks ago that it crashed and went down for quote-unquote maintenance? How many deaths have been reported to VAERS due to the COVID vaccine as of the end of January? 501. How about life-threatening adverse reactions? 383. 2,425 emergency room visits and 1,066 hospitalized. These are as of January 29th. This has not been updated since then. How many were permanently disabled from the COVID vaccine according to VAERS? 156. Now you should know that some of these reports, a very good percentage actually, are made by medical professionals. Let's just look at three of these reports and see how really, very real they are. You can go and look at them anytime on the website. Here we have VAERS ID number 94629-3-1 age 51 male vaccinated 17-2021 died 1-12-2021 moderna vaccine he became increasingly hypoxic around 1800 hours on 17-2021 the day he got the vaccine he was transported to the hospital for acute on chronic hypoxia respiratory failure he expired on 1-12-2021 at 2325 at the medical center VAERS ID number 9301910-1, age 52, female, vaccinated on 1-8-2021, died 1-8-2021. Patient received COVID vaccination around 12.15 p.m. Patient was monitored for the appropriate time by the nursing staff. Patient passed away at 2.15 p.m. Moderna vaccine. That's pretty devastating when you look at it. Now, how about news reports? Why does any report of someone dying within days or even hours of getting the COVID vaccine get dismissed as no connection being found? What about liability? Can Pfizer and Moderna be held liable if one of these adverse reactions happens to you? If you die or are permanently disabled after vaccination? 
No, they can't. They are immune from liability for these and all vaccines. Here's the important thing you really need to look at when you're deciding to get this vaccine. Have you considered what you can do to increase your odds of survival if you get COVID? Vitamin D deficiency has been found to be a large indicator of severe cases. Have you ever had your levels checked, supplemented? How about zinc, which is a current treatment protocol and something you are able to supplement easily at home? How about vitamin C? Did you know there is a treatment of monoclonal antibodies? Did you know that the drug hydrochloroquine has actually found to be effective even after all the misinformation and censorship around it? Did you know that ivermectin has a great success rate and very low risk? And it's now approved by the NIH, which it should have been months ago. Ivermectin can be used prophylactically and as a treatment. Many doctors state is a wonder drug. There's so much more I wish I had time for. As I stated before, the sources for this information on this podcast will be on my page, Set Apart with KC, on our website, thebmgnetwork.com. Before going, there's an important fact I feel you should know, and it's not a debated fact, but instead openly admitted by both Pfizer and Moderna. This may or may not affect you morally, but as a Christian, it certainly affects me and it hurts my heart. Both Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were tested in aborted fetal cells. I'd suggest looking further into the use of aborted fetal cells in vaccines. You've probably heard about two babies 50 years ago, and that is absolutely a lie. I'll leave it to you to do further research, and I encourage you to pray about it while doing so. I want to state again that this information is not medical advice, and only you can assess your risk of COVID and the risk if you choose to take the vaccine. I am so appreciative of you listening today, and I hope you tune in to the next podcast of Set Apart, only on the BMG Network. Set Apart with KC was produced, edited, and recorded in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of Set Apart with KC, go to thebmgnetwork.com. Join me next time on Set Apart with KC, only on the BMG Network. <laughs>